Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Symmetra, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others, helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. Of course, I am Ted Odorico, and right beside me, uh, as it were, is my good friend and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and my co-host here on the program. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm I'm doing very, very well. We have a great guest uh, to start things off. I'm going to introduce here uh, in just a second, and, uh, and then a little bit later on, you and I are going to enter once again the no BS zone, and we're going to talk about some of the biggest mistakes hurting golfers today in their game. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I think it'll be an interesting conversation, so I hope everybody will stick around. Um, but um, let's uh, invite on our latest winner. Let me just tell you a little bit about her. Uh, from the Symmetra Tour, uh, we're talking about, of course, Sophia Schubert. Uh, she won the 2021 Carolina Golf Classic. And she was on Cindy back in August um, after the uh, Firekeeper. She was runner-up at the Firekeeper's Casino Hotel Championship. And I was joking with her off-air. I said, uh, go out and win a tournament, and you can come back and, and be with Cindy and I. So, Cindy, why don't you welcome her to the show? Good morning, and way to go, way to show us <laughs> thank you thanks for having me on <laughs> wow how cool thank you this. for winning <laughs> <laughs> no problem <laughs> all right so let me just say this first uh, again congratulations as well um and what was interesting is you actually ended up in a playoff uh, in this event, you came in and tied with uh, another young lady who's been a guest on our show, of course. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how your final round went that led up to the uh, to the playoff, and then you can tell us a little bit about the playoff. Yeah, so I was uh, down by two to Fatima going into the last day, um, and so I knew it was going to be a tough round. I knew I was going to have to play well, um, and we, we were just going back and forth all day. Um, both hitting a lot of fairways, hitting a lot of greens. So I knew like I was going to have to make some putts, but there at the end we were tied and we had to go into a playoff. It took us three holes. Um, and we just kept going back and forth. I think the first, I think we went like birdie par and then the last uh, playoff hole she birdied and I eagled it. Um, so it was, it was a tough match there at the end. Uh, I knew I was going to have to do something extra to be able to win it because she just wasn't letting up but we had a great time it was fun um and we we both just really enjoyed it well you know it's it's nice to have a little 
Go ahead. Was it a par five that you eagled? So they actually moved the tee up a couple boxes that last day. Um, so we were able to get there in two. It was a shorter par five. Wow, that's awesome. How long was the putt? <laughs> oh, goodness. I think it was about, I'd say 15 feet, maybe 18 feet. It was it was a good putt, but I'll say I, I actually had that putt on the first playoff hole, I think it was, um, and I missed it. So I'm, I'm glad that I had that because it actually broke a different way than I was thinking it would break. Um, so I was glad to get that wow. before. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How much did it help you to not win back in August and to learn how to play down the stretch when you think you have the opportunity to, and how much, I want to say, wisdom have you gained from your experiences? Yes, I think that it's helped a lot. I've had two second-place finishes. um, And then back in Idaho, oh, gosh, about a month or so ago, I was uh, tied for the lead going into the last round, and I ended up losing. and I just learned so much from that. I was disappointed then, but I knew that, you know, it's a process, and you don't just go out and win. It's, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of experience. Um, and I was able to just go in yesterday and, and be patient. I think that was key for me. I, I tried to, you know, force birdies and, and force um, playing well those last few tournaments, and that just didn't work. So, I just went into this this last round being patient and knowing, you know, just let it come to me. Um, And I feel like that was really key for me out there. That's awesome. Ted? So let me ask you, um, I was reading through some of the notes here that we received, and you obviously um, really worked hard this year um, leading up to the season, actually. Uh, and put a lot of expectations for, for yourself. Um, were you able to, to accomplish a lot of your goals this year? Uh, and if so, what were some of the goals that you set for yourself? I was. I was able to accomplish those goals. Before, the, before this year, um, I, I set some goals for myself. I wanted you know, to get top tens. I wanted to get a win. Um, and ultimately, I wanted to get my tour card. But I also had some other goals of hitting the ball farther, having a longer driving distance, um, having less putts, getting up and down more. Um, So I set little small goals for myself like that, and I worked really hard on it. I worked really hard on my short game. I worked really hard in the gym to gain distance, um, and I was able to achieve those those goals this year. I I need to look back and see what my um, putts per round and up and down percentages are, but I've definitely improved on those, um, and I think those were really key to help me, you know, attain the goals of top tens and a win and now my tour card. Very good. I received an email um, last night about you, believe it or not, uh, from <laughs> a, a guest that's been, been on our show. Um, she's an LPJ professional, Nicole Weller. And yes. she ran across some great, great photos of you at age four oh, uh, on, their, on the LPGA Girls Golf Program uh, in Knoxville. 
and uh, one was in a TV interview with a local crew there, even at that age, she mentions. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she said she had a chance to work with you a little bit starting out uh, and said that she just uh, thought you were, were just a, a wonderful young lady and was so happy to hear. Uh, she obviously, as we posted for the show, saw that you had won this event, so she wanted to shout out and say hello, number one. Um, but tell us about uh, your time um, with the LPGA Girls Golf Program, because that's something I know that the LPGA is really working hard on, uh, getting youngsters and young ladies uh, into this game. So tell us a little bit about your experience there. Yes, so I, well, as you said, I started with Nicole when I was four, um, and she was just so influential in my uh, in my early golf career. I worked with her for a few years, and she was great. She was great with kids, um, so I'm glad to mm-hmm. hear that she reached out, but yeah, I, I was with the LPGA Girls Golf for years, um, and I just think it's it's a great program for girls. Um, it was able to bring, you know, a lot of girls in our local area together, and I feel like that's so important because, as you know, it's, you know, a male-dominated sport, and so you don't see many girls right. out there often. So to be able to get all the girls out there together and, you know, kind of socialize, I feel like that's important. Um as young kids and it was just great I I learned so much it made it fun it made me want to come back um and that's really where I started to love the game and I I think it it was just a great experience and and it is a great program and and I know uh, as I said Nicole's been a guest uh, a number of times uh, with me over the years and she's just a really really great uh um, uh, you know, ambassador, especially in, in that age group and the younger uh, kids and so forth through a lot of the different programs that she works in. She's actually at uh, Pinehurst now uh, mm-hmm. working in that area. So, um, but I want to ask you just a sort of a follow-up to that, uh, being part of the LPJ Girls program. Um, what would you say if you had the ear, which you do, of uh, a lot of listeners right now both parents and even some young ladies, what would you say to them, to parents particularly, um, about encouraging their daughters to get involved in golf? Because that's not something, unless you're like you got in very, very early or maybe you had uh, golfing in your family a little bit, but for somebody that maybe doesn't and looks at golf at strictly a professional level and thinks, well, maybe this isn't for me, what could you tell the parents, number one, and what would you say to young girls out there about golf that would maybe hopefully inspire them to want to take the game up? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, um, golf is just an incredible sport. It's opened so many doors for me. So I would encourage any and everyone, if they can, to to get into the sport. Um, I was fortunate to have parents that signed me up for lessons early and took me out to the golf course. Um, but I would say, you know, if for parents that haven't played golf, that's okay. I mean, Go find find a good coach. Take your kid out there. Um, make it fun. Let him drive the golf cart. Um, that's one thing that kept me coming back. My dad would always let me drive the golf cart, and it made it fun because golf sometimes isn't, you know, a lot of fun for young kids. But, um, hmm. you know, just go out, go out to the golf course and give it a shot. And to the kids, I would say, you know, just go out, have fun, work hard. It, golf can take you – incredible places um it's it's a special sport and i would say just you know keep working hard it gets tough but that's okay it's not always easy for everybody um so even when it's hard just you know keep chugging along and 
and keep working at it because that work will pay off. Um, so, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I, mean, I would say. Well, I think that's, I think that's a great way to put it. And I think you would also agree, too, from a parent's perspective that um, you don't want to push them, um, you know, hard or anything early on, yeah. uh, to, especially if you see that they've got some talent, uh, because that can be mm-hmm. a deterrent as well. You want to sort of let them take the lead as to where they want to take golf. And if they have aspirations, maybe as you did, as you developed in your game, that, hey, I want to battle it out with some of the best of the best, um, then that's a yeah. great thing. But let them sort of uh, steer their journey um, when it comes to golf. Would you agree with that? Oh, exactly, yes. I mean, golf is its a great sport, but it's one that you really have to have that passion and no one can force that. I think it's great as parents to encourage your child, and you always have to push them a little bit, um, but they have to love it first and foremost themselves, and they have to want it or else, you know, you can't. it's hard to succeed if you don't really love what you do. Right. Well said. Um, Cindy, go ahead. What do you love most about being a professional golfer? Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's a good one. I, Gosh. I don't know. I think just being able to – well, first of all, I've wanted to be a professional golfer since I was a little girl. Um, I've always had dreams of it, and, and now that I am and now that I have my card, it's just – come full circle, but I would say, oh, goodness, just the places that I get to go, the people I get to meet, um, it's it's really incredible the things that I have, the opportunities that I've had because of golf. Um, so I, I would just say the different people that I've, I've gotten to meet and play with. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. What do you do for fun? <laughs> I have the cutest little dog. She's a golden doodle, um, half golden doodle, half labradoodle. And I love playing with her, taking her on walks. Um, she's she's great. So that's, I don't have a lot of time at home. I'm on the road most of the time. So when I'm there, I like to just chill out and hang out with my friends and family and play with my little dog. <laughs> it sounds kind of boring, but. <laughs> awesome. I like it. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. So <laughs> you, you've explained what you like the most uh, about being a professional golfer, and I think that's spot on. I think just going out and, and having fun and being able to play and, and travel and, and meet new people and that. What has been some of the biggest challenges while you've been out there on tour um, that you've obviously been able to overcome and some that maybe you're still working on. What are some of the biggest challenges that you find out on tour um, that you're working on? I would say, well, first of all, when I first went out on tour, um, it's a big adjustment going from junior golf and then amateur golf, college golf to professional. Um, Cause I grew up, you know, someone else was doing my schedule, telling me where to go. Um, I was with a team, and so then going out into professional golf, you're all by yourself. Um, I was fortunate to have my mom with me most of the time, but it's just time management was a big part of – it was a big learning curve for me. I really had to manage my time well. You're out here, you know, for half the year, and you're you're working every day. Um, You get tired, and so I really had to learn how to manage my time and be – 
really prepared for each tournament because a lot goes into it. Um, and I feel like I've done a pretty good job at that. I, I've learned a lot about myself and my golf game and learned when to go out there, when I need to go grind, when I need to rest. Um, so I would say that's one of the biggest challenges is just kind of figuring out what to do with your time so that you can be best prepared um, for the tournament round. What about as far as uh, nutritionally? And, uh, and the reason why I ask this is obviously when you're traveling a lot and you're under mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, a pretty heavy schedule on that, uh, sometimes it's not, a, and this happens with everybody, not just obviously you, you ladies out on tour, but uh, you know, when you're busy in that, sometimes you don't always stick to a, a, a good nutritional regimen. Um, what do you do to make sure, or, or do you make sure that, hey, whatever I'm going to put in is going to help to fuel me, and okay, I might sneak a snack or something once in a while, but I'm going to stick to a pretty regimen, uh, or do you? I do. I do. Uh, my trainer back in Knoxville, he's worked a lot with me on um, a nutrition plan, a workout plan. Um, so he's given me a schedule. I I try to work out two to three times a week leading up to the tournament, um, whether it's mm-hmm. in the hotel or a local gym that uh, the LPGA provides. Um, and then nutrition-wise, it's hard. It's really hard because sometimes you're just on the go. You're driving in the next tournament. You're in an airport, and you just kind of have to, you know, get what you can. Um, but I think you just have to kind of, I don't know, kind of organize before the tournament what you're going to do, um, whether mm-hmm. it is go to the grocery store. We try when we travel to get hotels with, like, small kitchens um, mm-hmm. so that we can go to the store and, and buy, you know, good food. But nutrition is extremely important. I don't think people realize how important it is because it can really make or break you. Um, I I notice a big difference in my body and how I feel when I'm out on the golf course when I've, you know, had something not very healthy the day before versus when I have. Um, so I think it's very mm, important. Right. It is hard. I do – I do cheat sometimes, and I think my trainer, if he heard this, he'd get mad at me. But uh, <laughs> but it's just it's hard. But you have to, you just have to try your best. And when you can't do it, you can't get mad at yourself. But anyways, it's it's very important. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more because you know this is where a lot of amateur golfers really struggle with is because they don't. Um, you know, obviously as we get older, sometimes we get a little lazier and we don't always eat the best, and we get out there and you know, the back, you have the back nine meltdown where you're getting to about hole 12 or 13 and you're just sluggish and, you know, it's, it's uh, hard to, to build up steam just to finish the 18. Uh, at least I can attest to that at my age. So I'm a lot older than you, but, um, so yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch that. So let me ask you just another question. Then I'll Cindy, I'll give it back to you. Um, favorite club in the bag and do you have a go-to shot when things are not running as well as it should be? Okay, so I, my 9-iron has always been my favorite club. I don't know why, but it just has. But now I would say my driver. I've worked super hard <laughs> with my driver mm-hmm. and gaining distance, and I just I love to hit that thing. Um, but my go-to shot when I get nervous, I would say it used to be a draw. Um, I, I, my natural mm-hmm. ball flight is a draw, but um, – over this last year, I've worked really hard on hitting this kind of like little baby fade cut shot. Um, it's just mm-hmm. been really good for me 
under pressure. Um, I'm able to just mm-hmm. slow my swing down, um, have good tempo, and just hit this little baby fade. And I think that's helped me a lot this year. Wow, very interesting. That's uh, <laughs> that's good too because not all. Listen, I, I say this seriously. Not all players could hit both. Um, some players. Uh, you know, dominate with with a fade and have struggled sometimes hitting a, a, a decent draw. But to be able to to do both um, when you need it, that's that's uh, pretty incredible. Cindy, go ahead. How did you gain the distance? <clears throat> and after you worked out a lot, did you get a different shaft? Were you fitted for a different driver? Or I was. Yes. Well, uh, first off, how I got the the distance, I worked really hard. I have a trainer uh, back in Knoxville, Adam Levko, um, and he's just awesome. He's really kicked my butt. But we've worked a lot on – well, my main goal going into working with him was to gain driver distance, um, distance off the tee. And so he had me doing a lot of, like, explosive movements, box jumps, um, squats, lateral jumps, things like that, um, just to get more power from the ground through my legs um, and through my glutes and my core. Um, and that has helped me a ton. I I gained over the last, gosh, year and a half, two years, about eight miles an hour in uh, swing speed wow. with my driver. It was, yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe it, honestly. We worked really hard three days a week, um, and I saw a huge improvement. But then I did. I had to switch to a stiff shaft. Um, and it's – it's. I've, I'm really proud of myself. I'm still able to – you know, sometimes when people gain the distance, they're, you know, miss more fairways. But um, I've been able to still hit, hit a good amount of fairways and, and gain – I've gained probably 25 yards off the tee. And I feel like that's been really important for my game. I mean, it makes it a lot easier when you're hitting, you know, a pitching wedge in rather than an eight or seven iron. Um, So I've seen a huge uh, improvement in that. That's awesome. What kind Hmm. of shaft do you use? I use, here, let me get it right now. I'm looking at my bag. (laughs) I want to give you the specifics of it. The Tour AD uh, TP5 stiff shaft. And it's a little longer. I actually, it's about almost an inch longer than a than a normal shaft. Um, so, anyway. How many inches is it? Do you know? Oh, gosh. What is a regulation shaft? Um, I think 45. Uh, 45? Yeah, so it's probably. Yeah, so it's about just. Just under forty-six. Wow. wow, that's that's fantastic. Um, I'm going to have to get the secret of what you did to get an extra twenty-five yards. <laughs> I'd like to get an extra twenty-five yards, especially at my age. Um, I don't know if I can do the explosive uh, uh, workouts that uh, your your trainer's doing. I'll have to think twice about that. Yeah, but, box um, oh, you could do it. You could do it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, how's your face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might end up in traction after a while, but um no, but you know that that that's 
so important. And, and what people don't realize too, and you know, everybody's always, well, I want to get, um, and that's something I want to just follow up a little bit with you uh, before we let you go. But uh, you know, a lot of people look for extra distance, and you know, what can I do to buy extra distance? And they're they're always <laughs> trying to go to the equipment. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if I just get it, this new driver, the snazzy new driver with the you know, XYZ shaft and this, that, and the other, that that's going to help. But that's not really the case. I mean, certainly equipment can help to a point, but you've got to do some work as well, right? And, and um, so what would you say for, for many of our amateurs out there, what could help them get more distance? I mean, and, and this is young, old, what have you, what would be some tips that you might want to give them to help increase their distance? Yes, I mean, I totally agree. You know, the new equipment that it may add, you know, five, ten yards here and there, um, but you do ultimately have to put in the work. Like every aspect of your game, you have to put in the work to get better. Um, But I would say swing speed is the biggest thing to gain distance. You've got to swing faster. Um, So just, just working on gaining that speed, whether it be in the gym, whether it be using those uh, swing speed, weighted swing speed sticks, um, those have been mm-hmm. a big part of of me gaining distance. Um, so I would say those two things. But you, yeah, you're right. You just you have to have to put in some time and put in the work, um, and it'll come. It it might take a little while, um, but yeah, if, if you work hard, it'll it'll happen. But I would I would say the most important thing is just you know work it in the gym. Well, and I think stretching a lot too. I mean, keeping stretching you know loose and limber. Uh, yeah, because I think this is what happens yeah. as we all get a little bit older. We tighten our muscles, mm-hmm. tighten up, and that. And you know, you see people going to the golf course. They don't really do much of a warm up. They might hit a couple of shots on the yeah. on the range to that's their warm up. But then they're not really loosening, warming up those muscles, and stretching. And they get out there and they're just tight, uh, and they can't generate that speed. So I think there's a lot of factors. I think yeah. you hit them uh, very nicely. Uh, 300 yards yeah, down I mean, the I'm, fairway, so good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you're right, though. I, I use um, a hypervolt uh, before I warm up every every round um, just to kind of loosen my muscles up. But I would say one thing, if you just want to go do 10 box jumps a day, I mean, that you'll notice a difference. Um, but, yeah, it's just got to prepare your body. So. <laughs> I have to ask well, one I more question. Well, I think question. I might. You're at, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. You're at the Tour Championship this week? Yes. Yes. Which yes, is I'm, the Jones yes. course, the wide open one or the one back in the swamps? I'm I I haven't played on the other one, so I'm thinking it's the more wide open one because it's not not really back in the swamps. Um, is it where the yes, first tee is kind of near the clubhouse? Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah, I haven't played the other course, so I don't even know what it looks like but yes it's near um i can't remember it's one or ten so one of them you have uh water kind of down the left that you have to hit over um i think that might be one and then ten uh is lined with bunkers down each side of the fairway a short par four yes 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 i won the i won the lpga national teaching championship on the other course which is why it was legends yeah it was uh champions and legends and now wow. I'm confused with the name. They changed the name, so it was driving okay. me crazy. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, very good. 
Well, Sophia, we want to thank you and congratulations again on your win. And uh, good luck uh, this week at the uh, Tour Championship. Um, maybe you'll close out with a second win this season. And I know you jumped up several spots on the uh, Volvic race for the card, so you've locked in for this year. And uh, yes. best of luck and go out and win again so you can come back and visit us. Yes, yeah, so well, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Good luck. All honey. right, good luck this week. Thank, thank you. All right, that was uh, Sophia Schubert uh, winning the Carolina Golf Classic on the Symmetra Tour, her first win ever. And um, just a really, um, you know, I know we say this so many times, but th- these young girls are just really, really great. Are they not, Cindy? Just very, very um, humble, very professional, but really know what they want to go after. And, um, Absolutely. It, it, you know, uh, yeah, and she's, she's going to have a bright future I think, uh, out on the LPGA as well. All right, we're going to take a very short break, and then we're going to come back and enter the no BS zone. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back, everybody. And as I said, Cindy and I are now going to enter the no BS zone. And we're going to talk about uh, some of the biggest mistakes that golfers have revealed uh, that hurt their game. And Cindy, I think you'll relate to this one here, um, playing in so many pro-ams. And that is a lot of golfers, in fact, uh, 70-plus percent fall into this category of not taking enough club. What do you think about that? I think that's a fact. Um, <laughs> for sure. For sure, for sure. And I believe they all think they hit it farther than they do. And if they would hit yeah, it, it club, I, I'm, and mm-hmm. beginners are more so, and sometimes I hate to say it, but women they just want to hit a club they like, and they don't take the right club to get it close to the green, which the purpose of playing is to get it as close as possible to the green so you can make, you know, the least amount of shots and shoot a lower score. And if you're hitting a seven iron when you could hit a three or four hybrid, it just doesn't make sense to me. But and then you have the male killer guy who thinks he – hits at 300 yards, who hits at 230, who believe they can get, you know, and they they wait on a par five because they think they can get there, and they're always short. Yeah, it's, you know, I I always say, you know, if you think it's your, you know, your five iron or six iron, uh, you know, always at least one club up, if not two, unless you're a really, really good ball striker in that. But a lot of our amateurs... I would go to hazard to say that in many cases, not every case, but many cases, they might be as much as two clubs down. Because what they, they, when they're reading the yardages, a lot of times 
they're looking at um, you know the pin position. Well, if the pin's up front, um, you know that's a different story. But if the pin's in the back and they're reading it and they're saying, okay, well I've got 150 mm-hmm. yards here according to this marker. Well, that's to the center of the green. Well, that pin might be a few yards past that. And so a lot of times they're falling short. They're not even reaching the green, as you said, or maybe they're falling, you know, in that, uh, you know, on the, on the low part of the green, and they're maybe, you know, 20 or 30 yards to um, or feet or so to, to putt. And you know, sometimes taking that extra club is going to get you to where you need to be. And what's interesting too, what people don't realize is more often than not, though there are a few exceptions, more often than not, there is very little trouble behind the green as there is in front and to the sides of the green. So it's better to be a little bit long in most cases than to be short, where you're going to take a, increase your chances of being into trouble. So um, I couldn't agree more. I know you see that a lot in pro-ams that you've played with, and uh, that's something that uh, one of the things, and again, it's no particular order that we're going to talk about, but one of the things that, that causes uh, many of our amateurs to, uh, uh, to not uh, – do well during the round. Another one, Cindy, is confidence to close out a round. And what I mean by that is, you know, pros talk about what we sometimes might think of as boring stuff, taking one shot at a time, sort of staying in the moment and focusing on their routine. Um, But many amateurs, if they've got a good round going particularly, they start thinking about the scorecard. And that opens up a whole myriad of issues because now they're, they're thinking about the numbers and not thinking about the process. What, what advice, if any, would you have to, uh, for a golfer that you know, might have a good round going, but uh, the last few holes he's thinking about, well, I, if I make birdie here, if I make you know, eagle or par or what have you, I'm going to finish great. What do you think about that? I would say don't even look at your scorecard. Mm-hmm. And if you do, don't add it up. Ask your playing partners not to tell you how you're doing. That's the worst. Well, you know, mm-hmm. you sit at 33 right now. You know, that don't do that because, right. you know, every shot matters and counts. And if you stay in the present moment, um, it'll make it easier to, to hit the shot you need to hit at the right time to be able to close a round out. It's not what you shoot. It's how you play. And sometimes, like, if I happen to know, it's funny, my son and I were talking about this. When you know you're doing well and, and you sense, oh, don't blow this, try to go lower. And it's funny because our son has played a few really good rounds this summer. He shot a 61, a 62. He shot 67 to qualify for the U.S. Mid-Am, and then he shot 67 at the U.S. Mid-Am. And he said when he was playing college golf at Augusta State and he was trying to beat Webb Simpson to win this tournament, his voice said, the little voice said, oh, you should be careful. And he's like, no. He -hmm. said it was like it flips the switch that said, stop trying to protect and try to pursue. So that's one of the reasons I asked Sophia that question, how long do you need to play to learn that lesson of not protecting and pursuing? And sometimes right. it takes a lifetime. Sometimes it doesn't. But but be aware of what your thoughts are saying to you and then say, no, I'm going to try to play as well as I can. Let's not just break 80. Let's break 75. 
So mm-hmm. I think it's a mindset as well. Don't add up the score and then try to go lower. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And overthinking is another one. <clears throat> pardon me, that, that kind of falls into this too. But uh, overthinking is another one that uh, a lot of, uh, particularly, particularly our amateur golfers, fall into. Uh, is another one of their big mistakes that, that hurts their game is they they overthink the process. Um, and you know, I think if they just get up there and they assess the situation, what are they looking at? What's the shot? What's this shot going to be? Never mind the shots to follow or what shots you've already hit. Let's focus on the current shot. What do I need to do to get the job done? What what type of shot does it require? What's my you know what are some of the obstacles I may be looking at, whether it be bunkers or water or what have you, uh, and then just get in there and get over the shot and do it. And I think a lot of amateurs spend so much time over analyzing, overthinking the process. They get over the ball and well, don't do this and don't do that. They got about five, six different thoughts going through their head, and then ultimately they pull off a bad shot. And that's Another area, too, Cindy, I think that a lot of amateurs fall into. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You need to have your own swing thoughts, and you need to, tr- when you're practicing, you might have to be a bit less brain to understand what you're really doing. But when you're playing in a tournament, you have to have right brain feel and just do and not so left brain thinking trying, if if that makes mm-hmm. sense. It's like mm-hmm. Sophia just said, my go-to shot. I try to hit yep. this baby cut when I'm under pressure. All those little things mm-hmm. that I pay attention to when our and our guests speak because they're universal learnings that you need to do if you really want to get better. Don't you agree? Yep, I I. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and this is what differentiates, you know, it's not just, you know, everybody thinks, well, you know, and of course they practice a lot more than the average person does. They're playing in a lot more tournaments. So they, they develop a confidence in their game. They know what they can do. You know, she knows what she's capable of doing. And when she gets a little bit nervous or she's faced with a situation where it requires uh, a shot that she's not comfortable with, um, she can revert back to that little baby cut or fade. Uh, that's a comfort shot for her. And it's still going to accomplish what she needs. It's going to keep her in position uh, to, to be able to address her next shot. So, uh, again, that's where confidence comes in and not overthinking the process but making a, a sound decision based on what you have uh, in front of you to deal with. So, um, no, I think that's great, and, and it is important. That's something – that I think a lot of our amateurs, when they, we have these guests on, they really need to pay attention. It's nice, you know, they've won the tournament and that, but really to listen to their answers. And that's a great uh, observation on your part to, to, uh, to point that out. Um, another one is also um, green reading. This is another one that a lot of people miss the boat on. Um, you know, you've played in a lot of tournaments, Cindy, uh, on the LPGA and, and uh, subsequently on the Legends Tour and that. Um, this is one that stymies a lot of people. They don't know how to read the green. They don't know what to be looking at uh, or how to even read the green. Maybe you can offer some pointers. What I tell people is pretend it's going to pour rain and it's going to flood. Where mm-hmm. would the water go? And wherever the water would mm-hmm. go is where the green is tilted. And you mm-hmm. can feel it in your feet if you pay attention. I would ask you to do that. Stand behind the ball about a foot, look at the hole, 
feel it in your feet to say, okay, am I leaning to the right? Am I leaning to the left? Am I going uphill or am I going downhill? And then look to see what it, the terrain looks like between you and the hole. Does it look the same? Does it change? I would try to feel it in your feet and picture a flood and where would water go? And wherever the water would go is where the ball goes. Now, the catch is understand the speed of the greens. So how much will it break? It depends on how hard you hit it and depends Mm -hmm. on the speed of the greens. I would tell you that it's better to hit the ball at cup speed, which means you would like the ball to stop within a foot before or after the cup and not slam it in the hole. The harder you hit it, the less it will break. So if you can try to gain how to hit it at cup speed and get the feel of the greens, then you can better plan and prepare for how much it should break depending on the speed you hit the putt, which mm-hmm. sounded pretty complicated. Yeah, that's a, but No, it's actually that's a, that's a, a great way to put it. And just a couple of other things too. Um, you know, if you pay attention to the grass uh, on the green, um, a couple of things. If it's sort of got a sheen or a shine to it, that means that the grain is running away from you. If it looks a little dull or darker in color, um, then that means that the grain is coming towards you, growing towards you, uh, which means it's, uh, it's going to slow down the putt a little bit because you're putting into the grain. And conversely, if it's a little shinier or a sheen, if you will, that means it's going to run a little bit faster. So you have to keep that in mind as well. If you're putting and you see that it's a little bit shiny looking uh, compared to maybe other parts of the green, that means the green is running away from you and also means that uh, the putt is going to run a little bit quicker than normal. So uh, you want to keep those factors. So it's a lot of things. The main thing is practice. I mean, Cindy, we can't emphasize enough. It doesn't matter whether it's green reading, whether it's shot making, what have you. You've got to get out and practice. And the more you do that, this is why the, this is really what differentiates the pros is they go out and they work on their game. They work on different things uh, and until they feel confident and comfortable. And that doesn't mean that, listen, they don't all hit perfect shots either. Uh, they certainly hit better shots than most average amateur, but they make bad shots uh, as well. The difference is they're not making a lot of bad decisions all the time because they've learned through trial and error and, and through repetitivity, uh, <laughs> repetitiveness excuse me um yeah it's it's tuesday morning forgive me i haven't had my medication yet Uh, but um uh but you know they're they're able to to dial in on on some of those different things um the next one cindy i want to talk about this because this is one too um you know we see a lot of different types on tour and and that is tempo and having bad tempo it can be a, a, a round killer as well. You know, we see players like an Ernie Els or a Freddie Couples that have a very smooth kind of silky uh, swing and then uh, and tempo. And then we look at somebody uh, like, a, and I'm dating myself, a Nick Price who had sort of a quick jabby type swing. But what they all had, even though their swings looked different, their tempo was consistent. This is something, too, that a lot of amateurs um you know they take a, a, a you know a little compact backswing and then they jab or they thrust at the at the uh, follow through or at the downswing and it, it's not a fluid swing um what are your thoughts here and and what could you suggest to help uh golfers find their tempo well you you need to swing kind of the way you are and what i mean by mm-hmm. that we're all different. Some of us 
are more controlled and do things at a slower pace, like my husband, and he would swing like Ernie L's, the Big Easy, and mm-hmm. I'm more like Nick Price. I would be faster. <laughs> the catch is that it has to be timed right. So mm-hmm. if, like, Alan's tempo might be one and two. Well, I could have lunch while he's swinging. And other right. people might that are faster are one and two, be one, two. It can't right. be herky-jerky. It can be a faster pace, but the tempo has to be there, if that makes any sense. And you have to have yeah, a it, chance it, to change direction. Yeah, and it, and it really really what you're saying is it's your body rhythm. Um, you know, some people walk very slow and methodical. Some people uh, have a little quicker pace when they walk. So that's, that's a good way to gauge what your tempo is. If you're somebody that just sort of casually, you know, if you think about next time if you're out at a mall or something or, uh, and, and you're walking, how do you walk? Most people might walk uh, very slow and, and, again, sort of methodical, and then others might, um, you know, walk at a quicker pace. Well, that usually gives you a guide of what your tempo is like. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to do the opposite. If you typically have a, a, a quicker pace in your step and, and that, you don't want to all of a sudden try to slow down your swing to like an Ernie L's, as you put it, because that's not your true tempo. That's not your true body rhythm. And conversely, if you're somebody, uh, you don't want to speed it up to like a Nick Price or, or somebody else that has a, a quicker uh, body rhythm, because uh, again, that's not your natural and you're forcing it and it's just not going to work out. So you need to do that and and there's a lot of ways that you can do it, and, and you mentioned a couple as well. Um, all right, I want to move on to this one here so we keep uh, moving with our time. Uh, being too uh, hard on yourself, um, this is one, and again, I'll preface this a little bit. Uh, you know, golf is, is really a game to be enjoyed, uh, at least it should be, and we're going to have some ups and downs, obviously. Um, it's okay to get angry when you hit a bad shot or uh, miss a putt or what have you, uh, but get it out of your system fast. Uh, don't let it linger. Uh, this is one here, Cindy, we see a lot. People um, have a bad hole or hit a few bad shots, and three or four holes later, they're still thinking about it. They're still you know, kicking their foot in the dirt, uh, upset about it. In other words, they're letting it linger. Um, what do you suggest here for, for a player to, to get past that and, and not you know, beat themselves up the rest of the game? Well, first you need to know that no one hits it good all the time. No mm. one. No one. And he or she who misses it best without getting ticked off wins always. So what I would ask you to do is you've got like five seconds to get ticked off. And then what you should do is stop and say, okay, what did I just do to make that happen? And how will I fix it? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? Why did it happen? How can I fix it so I can learn from my mistake? A lot of times people miss shots because they don't pay attention to the process. They don't make clear mm-hmm. decisions. They choose the wrong club. So all that needs to be thought out in your pre-shot routine. Mm-hmm. How far is it? What's my lie look like? Mm-hmm. What's the wind doing? What's the playable yardage? Where would stupid hit this ball? How can I avoid stupid at all costs? I need to go to the right. The water, the water's on the left. Whatever that is, and if you haven't learned that, then that's something that can help you get better and miss less shots and score better. 
Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people focus strictly on um, their golf swing, and, and certainly that's important. Uh, you need to be making good contact with the golf ball, um, but they they dwell on it. Their their number one focus is on that, and they're not looking at you know the whole picture. And uh, you know you you might be able to hit a good shot. But if you're not aimed correctly or you're not factoring in the distance correctly, um, you can hit the most beautiful ball flight you could ever imagine. Uh, but unfortunately, it just fell 30 yards short because you didn't select the right club uh, or, you know, you didn't factor in, uh, you know, that that front bunker or water that was uh, running beside. And again, your aiming was off. So there's a lot of different things. And this sort of leads into the. Uh, to the next one that I want to talk about here quickly, uh, and we've got to move on, um, is a bad grip and fundamentals. Um, you've got to pay attention to your grip, posture, stance, and alignment, and this is really what I was talking about. Um, you know, it's, it's, the swing is important, of course, but if you're not lined up, if you've got a poor grip, if your posture is bad, all of that kind of stuff, um, you're just you're defeating, um, you know, the, the purpose. You're not able to... to you know, master what it is that you need to. And this is why coming to see somebody like yourself, Cindy, uh, and many others out there in, in the business is so important because we can help you with that. Um, do you not agree that this is where a lot of people, um, they get taught this or they read it somewhere, but they don't really work on these things? And this is something that Jack Nicholas um, talked about in his uh, original video, Golf My Way, this is what he works on every single season when he would come out and get ready to play in tournaments is he would work on these fundamentals. That's what he did. He didn't go up and play a thousand rounds. He came out and he worked on those from day one. Um, what are your thoughts here? Totally agree. Totally agree. If you're comfortable standing over it, your grip is good, your setup is good, you're aligned correctly, it's not that hard to swing back, even if you took a half swing. To swing back yep. and through and hit the ball straight. And a lot of my beginners, I just challenge them, let's try to hit it clean, airborne, and straight, mm. 50 or 100 yards. If you can't yep. do that, you can't hit a driver 250 or 300. Mm. And so mm. many people are trying to hit the ball rather than learning how to swing the club. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, here's one, too, and this was something that we kind of, dab a little bit with um uh, with sophia when she was on but um but this one is rushing uh warm-up uh rushing the warm-up and and I, I this is just my thought i don't know how many times cindy i know you could probably attest to at least a thousand times you've seen this where um somebody's playing in either an event or uh, and i'm not talking a professional but i'm talking you know maybe a club mm-hmm. championship or something or mm-hmm. even just with their with their friendly foursome on the weekends and they're late getting there. They've maybe only got a few minutes. They don't warm up. I look at it this way. If you're coming 10 minutes before your round, you're not going to have time to go out and hit balls effectively to, to really warm up. I would rather, and you may agree or not, I would rather somebody spend that 10 minutes going through a good stretching routine, swinging the club a few times, forget about hitting balls, but do that before you tee off. I would rather them warm themselves up, get the muscles stretched, get their you know back uh, move, do you know some great exercise. If you um, you know talk to your your local professional, they can give you some good stretching exercise for warm up. Do you not agree with that? If they're not going to ha- allow yourself the time to get out there 
and, and do a proper warm-up before you're around, that's an alternative that at least it's going to give you a better chance uh, to have a more successful round. What are your thoughts here? Totally agree. Totally agree. Again, um, it's very important that you are loose, that you're in the right mindset, if you will, when you tee off. Mm -hmm. If you're rushing from work and you have to play in a league, you need to at least take a few breaths and take two clubs out of your bag, put your, you know, hold two grips together, make the club, you know, it's going to be heavy because you've got two clubs, like a nine and an eight, and swing the Mm -hmm. clubs back and through just to shift your mindset from speeding on the throughway to, oh, here I am at the first tee and I've got to get ready to hit the ball. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, And, and that's, you know, that's what I'm talking about is, you know, I would rather somebody focus on that because there's no point in going, you know, if you're rushing up there and you've got 10, even 15 minutes before, there's no point in going up, uh, you know, grabbing a handful of balls and hitting them because you're not going to really be going through the pros. You're just going to rake and hit and, you know, and say, okay, well, that's, that's what I'm going to take to the golf course. It, that's not going to be an effective warm-up. It's better time spent, I think, just warming up, really thinking about the process, uh, focusing on what, what's your game plan. You know, think about what your game plan is going to be for the day. What, you know, um, because to try and, and, and flub your way through on the driving range for a couple of shots and think that that's going to give you the answers you need, it's not going to work, and it's just wasting time. Um, the next one, this one, Cindy, I know you see a lot, uh, not just in, in your pro-ams. Uh, well, obviously, it's a little bit different in a pro-am, but um, that you see a lot of amateurs do, and that is playing from the wrong tees. Uh, again, Jack Nicholas talked about this as well. Uh, through uh, especially the latter part of his mm-hmm. career, um, let's play the right tees. I would rather see somebody play a little more forward tee and have a chance at maybe uh, making some pars and birdies than trying to you know get their money's worth and playing from the championship tees when they can't even hit it uh, you know 200 yards uh, off the tee. So um, agree, we need to move up. We need to move up, and I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I even, I, I even have to. Please I can still hit a pretty good ball. And it, <laughs> well, it, it, it just you know, again, um, you know, I laughed about this last week with a friend of mine uh, from South Carolina, and we were talking about this very thing. And and he said, you know, you get these, especially guys. The girls, I think, are a lot smarter about it than we are. But you get these guys that go out there and they say, well, gosh, I'm you know, I'm playing this resort course, and I've just shelled out a hundred and whatever dollars for a round. Um, by gosh, I'm going to play every square inch of that golf course. And they play from the back tees. They can't play good enough to support that. Um, and sure enough, they, they get what they wish for because they're going to play every square inch of that golf course because they're going to be all over the place. So uh, I guess in some ways maybe they've accomplished their goal, but uh, they're not having enjoyment. They're not making pars. They're not even giving them a chance to make some birdies. And, you know, at the end of the day when they're adding up the scorecard, they're lucky if they're breaking 100, and then they wonder why they're not having a, you know, a good time out there. Um, so let's, let's move up. Uh, move up a tee box. And, and actually, you know what, Cindy, I think one of the best things to do, uh, for, especially for beginning golfers, play as far forward as, you, as whatever the very forward tees are and work your way back. It's better to play up front and work your way back than to play back and try to work up. That gives you a little bit more uh, confidence as well. And it gives you an opportunity to uh, 
to see what you're really made of, uh, as opposed to trying to frustrate yourself playing from tees that are just not suited for your game. And the last one that we're going to talk about is uh, not committing to the shot. Um, what that means is it means making a decision and not second-guessing uh, every shot that you're going to make. So, uh, again, this builds into confidence. Cindy, this is something I know, I'm sure even you probably struggled from time to time out on tour, um, where you got out there and you were maybe in between clubs and you weren't always 100% sure, well, do I need to hit my 7-iron or, or can I hit a, uh, you know, do I need to step up my 8-iron or what? Uh, maybe discuss that for a little bit. Tell me that again. I just lost what Not you were committing. saying. Committing to the yeah, shot. Sorry. Well, that, that goes back to let's do a pre-shot routine. And I think it also depends on, you know, what are the questions you're going to ask yourself? How far is it? What's my lie look like? What's the wind doing? Avoiding stupid, which means, you know, people will say don't hit it in the bunker. Well, mm-hmm. your brain doesn't hear a negative. You need to say, oh, I see the bunker left. I'm going to go to the right. That's a better way to say it rather than, oh, don't hit it. I always hit it in the water. Well, you just talked yourself into hitting in the water, which that's right. part of committing to the shot. So plan what you want to yeah. do, where do you want the ball to go, and then make a clear decision, and then you can commit to the shot. If you haven't followed the process, you can't commit to the shot. Therefore, you're not going to hit it good. Therefore, you're going to get mad. Therefore, you're going to choke and not shoot what you want to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh, again. You, you're right. You have to go through, and that's where the pre-shot routine comes in. You go through the process, and you make an informed decision. And once you make that decision, whether it ends up being, you know, what, what a lot of people don't realize, and then again, this opens up a learning opportunity for them. What people don't realize is, even if you end up that you've made the wrong decision, let's say again, it's between two clubs, and you should have hit your seven iron, but you hit your eight iron. Well, then you're going to know, okay, you know what? I underclubbed here. It's not that I hit a bad shot. I underclubbed here. So that gives you valuable information that, you know, next time if you're faced with that situation and you're unsure, you know what, the last time I did that, I chose my 8-iron. This time I need to choose my 7-iron, and that's going to at least ensure that I'm going to get, you know, long enough and reach where I need to go. And even if it's a little bit long, that's okay. At least I know I've got enough, I'm using enough club rather than falling short again and making the same mistake I did the last time. So um, commit to the shot. A lot of great points here, and I think this is where a lot of areas, uh, it might seem very simplistic to some people, but uh, this is what a lot of golfers talk about. This is where they, you know, losing confidence, uh, you know, closing out their round, overthinking the process, not understanding how to read the greens, their tempo is off, uh, you know, not having any sort of warm-up whatsoever, and obviously the fundamentals are always important. Um, Those are things that I think you need to work on, and uh, there's a lot of great uh, teacher professionals out there that can help you uh, step up uh, your game somewhat, so uh, you need to reach out to one. Um, Cindy, always uh, interesting, uh, I think, conversation, and uh, always nice to have a good guest like Sophia on and, and talk about and get her thoughts on how she approaches it. And again, um, we're very, very blessed on the show to be able to speak with some of these young ladies uh, as they come off their wins and just hear what their thought process is, because uh, I, I don't know about you, but I always learn a little bit, at, um, and I'm going to be doing some of those box jumps uh, a little bit later to see if I can get my distance <laughs> up. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know whether or not I'm going to survive. Bump. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, a little, well, I don't know. i got big feet, so uh, we'll see what happens here. But, um, but anyways, glad you guys can join us. Cindy, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you're off next week, right? So um, it'll just yeah, be me. So I will. back from Nashville. 
All right. Well, have a good week next week, and I'll see you the following week. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show, and I will be back next week uh, with another show here on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.